The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Good evening. It is July 10th, 2020. This is episode 15 of Truth Behind the Badge. This is Rich. And tonight I'm joined by Teresa Kondek. Teresa, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Always an honor, always a privilege, and just thank you so much for everything that you do and who you are. Uh, for those who don't know, why don't you tell us about your husband? Who was Charlie Kondek? Can you describe him for us? As a husband, he was my absolute best friend and the father of my children. As an officer, he started in um, New York City. Um, he worked in the 3-4 and the 7-5 for five years before um, relocating to Florida, where he started with Tarpon Springs Police Department, um, where he served for almost 18 years. He worked mostly midnight, so we have five children, so we kind of handed off back and forth. I worked days, he worked nights, so it worked best for our family, and we made it work. Charlie worked for over 20 years in the profession. That fateful day, December 21st, 2014, a horrible incident took place, and I don't want to get into too much detail for you, but can you tell us what happened? So on December 21st, Around two o'clock in the morning, um, two calls came in. Um, one was for a bar fight. One was for a noise complaint. Um, the call Charlie took wasn't wasn't his call. Um, however, he was closer, so he responded and said that he would take the noise complaint and then follow up with a bar fight after. Um, when he responded to the noise complaint, which was loud music coming from a car in a parking lot at an apartment complex, um, he was shot and killed and ran over within two minutes of exiting his car. Hmm. So he had no idea what was happening, um, had no warning at all. And again, that was supposed to be just a noise complaint, you know, a, a quick routine, hey, turn the music down kind of call which absolutely didn't end that way. Yeah, I just got chills because I, I can't stand that word routine and it gets used so often and so frequently. It's just like when people say it was a routine traffic stop, a routine noise complaint. Right. These are, these are calls that get handled all the time. And we'll talk about this towards the end of this episode, but you can typically describe a noise complaint as a quote, nonviolent call. You would agree? Right. I agree. <sighs> all right. So, Fast forward a little bit. I remember the five-year anniversary uh, just this past December, and I can't believe we're already in July. I feel like this was a month or two ago that we were right. out there. <laughs> but why don't you Thanks. summarize five years later? I can tell you, I speak for everybody in our organization, and there were so many people that said the same thing. It was so nice to see the amount of support. And it was crazy because 
it started a downpour and it the, the rain did not discourage anybody we just moved inside and we adapted and it was just why don't you tell us about that event and how much it meant to you your family and and everything well you know um tarpon recognizes every five years um line of duty dads and then they do participate in the national police week honoring everyone so the five year was we were kind of anticipating that not you know sure how it was going to go you know because five years later you don't really think you're going to have a lot of people show up because it you know it has been five years people forget it happens um and then the rain started you know not even 15 minutes before it was time to start the memorial so we're a little worried about that but i mean just watching the fire department the the people that were waiting and all the different agencies and and you guys Everybody just moved everything inside. Nobody left. People were, you know, just as happy to be inside and move things inside. And so it was really nice to see so many people from so many different agencies show up. And, you know, and I'm sure they would have stood in the rain as well. 100%. Yeah, that was a nice thing I noticed. There were literally just so many different uniforms, whether it was police, fire, EMS, different agencies, et cetera. So I, I agree. It was just really, really nice. Okay. So right. you had the five-year anniversary. And then I love what you and your family do to honor Charlie. And it, it kills me that we haven't been up there for one of these blood drives, but you just had last weekend on July 4th, while some people are out having barbecues and having fireworks and things of that nature, July 4th is a special day to begin with for your family. And then, so why don't you tell us about what July 4th means to you and what you guys are doing and why you're doing what you do. So the 4th of July was Charlie's birthday. So it was always like a big, a big event at, at our house. Um, Not only just because it was his birthday and it was the 4th of July, Charlie was, was so patriotic and he was such a proud American and, you know, he loved his country. He loved celebrating. And he used to he used to tell the kids that the whole country celebrates his birthday with him. So it was kind of like a joke with the kids. And um, and he always donated blood. And there were there were always blood drives close by. And he, you know, from the time our kids were old enough to donate, you know, he he always told them how important it was. You know, just one person donating can save three people's lives. And just think about how many times you can do that in your entire life and how many people you could save and, you know, and how important it was. So our kids have always been donors. So on his, uh, the third birthday that we missed of his, you know, we thought, okay, we, we don't want to celebrate and, and do memorial balloons and send them up in the air anymore on the 4th of July. We want to find something that he loved that, honors his life and gives back and what better thing to do than a blood drive on his birthday. It doesn't cost any money. Um, you know, one blood has been amazing helping us put this together. And, um, so we did it. The first year was great. The second year was even better, but I'm telling you this year with all of the COVID, um, pandemic going on, we had the biggest year this year, even with COVID issues than we've wow. had. Wow. And we were, because we could, we were limited on how many people could be in each bus. It made the wait time. People waited in the heat for over an hour to donate blood. And then some people didn't even make it to get in because we had such a long wait. You know, that's amazing. I was, 
I was worried about it with everything going on with COVID, but I remember seeing something, one of the, one of the members of the media had something out there. They said something along the lines of between the first two drives that you guys did over 400 lives were either saved or sustained just yes. because of the donations. Yes. I mean, that's, that's amazing. It was, it was really neat. And, and on top of that, we thought, you know, with everything going on in the media also besides COVID, we didn't know if there would be any negativity because it was honoring an officer and there were more people that stopped before while we were getting everything set up and, and thank the officers for their service that were standing there helping us set up. Wow. So that, you know, besides the COVID, we saw so much positivity while we were setting up. It, it was really, really, really nice. It was really neat to see. You know, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, we, we've seen some of these back the blue rallies and things like that. And they genuinely are a major safety concern. And I, I hate to even go that direction, but we have right. to think that way and we have to be vigilant and everything. Um, before I close off the blood drive section of the podcast, I, I also wanted to quote you because I love what you said here. Uh, Suncoast News quoted you at saying, uh, Charlie was a faithful blood donor and encouraged our kids to do the same. It seems fitting to honor him on his birthday with something positive and giving just as he was when he was alive. I just, my hats off to you and your family. I think it's amazing. You guys started this from nothing. You partnered with One Blood, and look at what you've done. I mean, that's something to be very, very proud of. I think he'd be proud of that. Yeah, I know he would. Okay, so now to transition a little bit, and it's almost funny, it was a perfect segue because you started to mention it already. You have a huge connection to West Central Florida law enforcement, different agencies, different contacts. You do a lot of stuff that people don't even know about behind the scenes showing your support. I don't know if you want to touch on that or if you just want to agree with me and want me to keep going. I'll just agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will say I that. Do, I, I do try to surprise them. I, I do. If I see them at restaurants or I see them um like I, I even in the grocery stores we always we always try to grab their bill before they get it so and we just leave a card thanking them for their service and you've shared some of them with us and it's it's so clear how much it means it's not the point of the meal it's more so the point of who it's coming from and just the the message from you from your family to these officers and it just I could tell you firsthand I mean it just it means the world it's it's really special it's really nice so with that being said I it's so frustrating these days it must it must be eating you up being such a, a proud law enforcement family a patriotic family seeing all the negativity have you seen an impact on some of the officers that you guys are close with we have we have, and it's, it was a tough, thankless job before, but now it's even, you know, it, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, you know, I, I just don't know how they can focus and, and second guess training, you know, and I don't know. I, I've just seen a lot of, a lot of struggling and a lot less smiling, <laughs> 
on some of them. Yeah, it's frustrating. Well, hopefully things can turn around and improve, but it's uh, it's definitely noticeable, like you said. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to, I have to mention this. Um, I became aware of something last night from the city of St. Petersburg, and I actually thought it was a joke. I didn't think it was serious. Come to find out, it is serious. So I'm just curious on your reaction to this. I'm just going to read this quick press release. It says, significant change in police response. It was dated yesterday, and it says, the city of St. Petersburg Police Department will create a new division within the police department called the Community Assistance Liaison to expand our approach to public safety by retaining a social service agency to respond to nonviolent calls for service from the public. That word just jumped out at me because I remember what you said earlier about nonviolent calls for service. Anyway, uh, it goes on to say, beginning October 1, instead of sending a police officer, a CAL team member will respond to the following issues. Disorderly intoxication, drug overdose, intoxicated person, mental health crisis, suicide crisis, mental health transport, disorderly juvenile truancy, disorderly juvenile elementary schools, panhandling, homeless complaints, neighborhood disputes. And it goes on a little bit further, and it says, the last sentence says, a police officer will always be dispatched to violent or life-threatening situations. And we put a post on our social media platforms earlier today, and we commented about nearly 120 law enforcement officers this year have been killed in the line of duty and made the same sacrifice that Charlie made. And we're literally seven months into the year. 27 of those were the result of being shot. And I can't help but to wonder how many of these were officers being dispatched to nonviolent calls, just like Charlie was dispatched to. I mean, that was a nonviolent call. Am I way off base here? It just, it just seems crazy to me. You know, I just saw that today and I, I had to read it three times. I just, my thought is I, and I don't know what training that this team will get from the sheriff's office, sheriff's office or the police department. I'm, I'm not even sure, but if my husband, a 23 year veteran officer responded to a noise complaint call, which was supposed to be, this is a nonviolent call and was shot at seven times and ran over and left in the street to die. I mean, this is someone who who has been on the streets and has, you know, seen a lot in his almost 23 years and has the training, you know, and this, I just don't understand how someone is going to respond to that. That doesn't have the training that an officer does or a veteran officer does. And I, you know, I, I'm just, I don't know, it's a really dangerous decision to me, but it's not my decision to make. I just don't understand how that is beneficial. I'm just, I'm not even sure how that's going to play out. Yeah, I'm going through some of the comments. It seems on our pages, a lot of people are basically concerned for everybody's safety, that this is an accident waiting to happen. Somebody's going to get shot, killed, hurt, injured. Uh, William wrote, this is crazy. Disorderly intox, intoxicated person, mental health crisis. All of these calls can go south in a heartbeat. Um, right. It's that's sweet. absolutely right. It's mm -hmm. just a that's a recipe for disaster. 
Somebody else wrote, Donna said, how long before the first community liaison is killed? And God, I hope it doesn't come to that, but I don't know. Well, I hope somebody... Well, it's happening to officers, so... Yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that somebody from St. Petersburg Police Department wakes up. I cannot imagine this is coming from the police department. I have to imagine it's coming from outside of the police department and some sort of political pressure, but... I hope that they reconsider this and they look at some of the feedback that they've received. You know, just crazy. I just, I, like I said, I had to read it three times. I, I just, any of those calls, I mean, like you said, there is no routine call, but it, it just takes a split second. There's so many videos out there of just of body cam videos, just showing how, you know, in two seconds, the whole situation has changed. It's life, you know, it's life threatening or I don't know. I, I just really don't know how that's. Here's another interesting one. Uh, the, the last sentence says a police officer will always be dispatched to violent or life threatening situations. And it lists suicide crisis, mental health crisis as being nonviolent. Melanie commented on our page saying suicidal crisis is not life threatening. It is life-threatening to the person who's having that crisis. This should be interesting to watch. I think she's absolutely right. Hmm. She's right. All right. She is well, right. And, and usually suicide calls, there are weapons. And will this team, I'm assuming, won't have weapons. So I'm, I just don't understand the whole thought process on that. Well, that's another question. Are they going to be armed? Are they unarmed? Are they wearing vests? Are they... Right. That was my question. I, obviously... I mean, I'm assuming they're not going to be armed. And that was the whole point of having someone to respond to those. Maybe I'm assuming wrong. I'm not sure. I don't know what their training or, or background is going to be for these calls. But if you're responding to a suicide call, you know, usually they have weapons. So how are they going to respond to those? Charlie was killed in the line of duty very late at night, early in the morning, right? Yes. I... I have to wonder, are these, are these people going to be working 24 hours a day, seven days a week on holidays, overnights, night shift? I mean, these are more questions I have as I'm talking to you, just thinking out loud. Right. Because Charlie um, passed between 2 and 2.30 a.m., four days before Christmas. It's unbelievable. All right. Well, I'd like to, before I wrap it up, we have our, our normal tradition that we close with, but before I go to that, I just want to give you an opportunity if there's anything you want to say to anybody that's tuning in that listens to our podcast. You're more than welcome to. And well, I, I just want to thank, thank you again. You. I just want to thank you and your team for continuing to do this and not forgetting us. I, I know that if we ever need anything, you guys are always just a phone call away. So we appreciate you guys and what you do. You can't thank us. We thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, 100% that's the truth and and we love you guys very very much. Um so all right in closing in our tradition and it's it's kind of fitting to say what I always say because Teresa you, you already covered it. It's very unfortunate that a lot of times families will hear we will never forget and sometimes they feel like they have been forgotten. So we make it a point to make sure we never forget and we always honor our fallen. So it is July 10th. And we go back to July 10th, 1906, in the state of Florida. 
we're going to honor Clay County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Charles Wilson. He was just 33 years of age. His tour of duty was one year and six months of service. And Sheriff Wilson was shot and killed while attempting to arrest a man on a train. The suspect was shot and killed by a passenger on the train. Sheriff Wilson was survived by his wife and three sons. Let us never forget. And thank you again, Teresa. Thank you.